Well, good morning and welcome to LifePoint. My name is Rob Perry. I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint, and we are glad that you're here. If it's your first time, we'd love to get to meet you. You can come down after the service. There'll be some of us down front. We love hearing how you found out about LifePoint and uh, just to get to meet you. So please uh, do that after the service. Well, today we finish up the series called Happy New Year. And what we've been doing over the past few weeks is looking at things that we can do now so that when the new year comes around, things can be different, that we can get the new year off to a good start. So in the spirit of that, I kind of want to start things a little bit differently uh, this morning. So if you will uh, go with me, I would like for you right now to reach into your pocket, maybe your purse. I'd like for you to pull out your wallet. You're like, what? Yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. We got all morning. <laughs> Get your wallet, your purse. And I, what I want you to do is I want you, I'm going to give this to you. I want you to pass it to the person on your left. Okay. Now those on the aisle, no, 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 you don't have to do that. It's bonus for you today because you get to keep yours and get theirs, right? Now, now everybody's like, oh boy. How are you feeling? How's everybody feeling? Some of you are like, I'm feeling good. This is a little bit thicker than what I just, what I have. Others of you are like, your pupils are dilating, and you're like, oh, I hope he ends this really soon. <laughs> but imagine that you are responsible for taking care of that, that you have to figure out where it goes, how you're going to use it, and how you're going to sa save that. Are you, you get that feeling. All right, well, the exercise is over, but ushers, will you come down? We're going to pick up an offering before <laughs> you can switch back. Uh, thanks. Well, we, as we head into 2016, we really need to be open to thinking differently about our stuff so that we can experience something different in the new year. We really have to wrestle with this question, is what I have really mine. Now, Jesus uh, answered this for us. He, he was actually talking to the disciples about this very thing, kind of set the perspective for them. So I, I want to jump in and just go and look at what Jesus had to say. So I will call the ushers down with Bibles. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, they have one. It is yours to keep. If you don't have one, we'd love for you to go home with God's word in your hand if you just need to borrow it, uh, just signal to them. They'll give it to you, and you can leave it in the back on your way out. But as those are being passed out and you're making your way, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, I want to tell you that we wanted to start the series when we did, well in advance of all the craziness of the holidays, the hustle and the bustle, so that you could avoid getting to the other side of the new year and feeling a whole lot of regret because you didn't have a plan and then you find out that you're saddled in debt because of Christmas. And so we want you to have a plan and that's why we started a couple weeks ago talking about this because if you don't have a plan, the retailers have a plan for you, right? It started before Halloween. The Halloween decorations were up and they were putting out the Christmas displays. Did you see that? 
and we're getting ready to plan for Black Friday. And then you have the deal days of December. There is a plan. They have a plan. And hopefully you have a plan. If, if you apply what we've been talking about and you actually engage on this, then I guarantee when you get on the other side of the new year that you are going to be happy. It's going to be a happy new year for you. So today we finish up the series. If you missed any of it, go out to the website, click resources, messages, and you're going to hear in the first few weeks, we talked about greed and how greed's so easy to spot in other people, but very hard to see in ourselves. And we saw how trust and worry are actually connected and that the solution to all of it is generosity because generosity has this way of pushing worry away and for us to not even think about not being content. It is the solution. And so as we head in 2016, we have to kind of look in the mirror and reflect and act and do something different. Many of you have taken us up on this challenge. Uh, you have gone out to the LifePoint Facebook uh, debt-free Christmas Facebook page, if you'll put that on the screen. If you have not joined this page yet, join it. Why? This is a way, many different things with this page. If you join it, it's a simple way for you to kind of proclaim out there, hey, I'm going to have a debt-free Christmas. So you end up telling everybody, so they're going to hold you accountable. But for those of you who have had debt-free Christmases, then you can share your ideas on how you've done that. People have already started doing that about the deals that are out there, the budgeting tools and tips that you use. So if you have not signed up for that page, you can join. It is not too late. But we need to start thinking differently about our stuff. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 is talking to the disciples and starts to set them straight on this idea of, is it really mine? Jesus was answering some questions. If you look at chapter 24, Jesus is really answering questions that the disciples had about the, his end of life and when he would return. And so in response to that, Jesus shares a story, a parable. And parables have a truth. You can usually find a simple truth within the parable. And so Jesus's story is about money, but it is a lot, it's about a whole lot more than money. It is about our lifestyle, all that we have, how to manage your life from your finances to your time, to your gifts, to your relationships. In verse 14, we read again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip, and the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Now remember, this story that Jesus is sharing is in response to some questions about Jesus going away and then coming back. And so the man in our story that's going on a long trip is Jesus. And this master gives money to his servants. 
gives five bags of silver. Some of your translations may say a talent or talent. Just think of that as money pieces. For those that were hearing the story in that day, five bags of silver to the disciples, they would have thought that's over 10 years of wages for the average day laborer. That's what they heard. The one that had two would be about four years, and the one that had one would be about two years of wages. And we see the master head off, and all of a sudden, that first one that got five heads off and starts to invest in what the master had given him. The second one does the same thing, but that third one dug a hole and put that single bag within the hole. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I earned five more. The, ma the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose my money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This man goes out, the master goes out on a journey and comes back and calls the servants together, and he wants to see how they had used the money that he had given them. The five brought five more. It said, here's your five. Here's, I doubled it. The one with two did the same thing. And you heard the words from the master, well done, my good and faithful servant. But that one with one said, I was afraid. And so I buried it. And, and the response of the master is, you wicked and lazy servant. You could have at least put it in the bank and gotten some interest from it. One doubles, another doubles, but the third does nothing with what he's been given. And the story from Jesus has fundamental truths that I think we have to look at these. And if we look at them and we believe that they are true, and if we live as if they are true, then 2016 will be a different year. It's going to be a different year financially, spiritually, relationally. It's going to be different all around. The first truth is this. God is the owner of everything. He's the one that's entrusting the servants with the money. Look at verse 14. He entrusted the servants with the money. It is not theirs. What they have is not theirs. It is his. 
God's the owner of everything. But is he really? Do we really believe that? I think I struggle with it. I bet there are others that struggle because you go, wait a minute, I earned this. I'm the one that worked hard to get this. I got the degree so that I could get here. Do we really believe that what we have is not really ours? We look around and we say, look what I did. Look what I've been able to do. And Jesus is saying, everything you have is because God has entrusted it to you. It's not the first time that we see this in Scripture. This isn't the first time when Jesus says these words. It is a theme that we see throughout Scripture. Back it up to the Old Testament. King David speaks about this, but he speaks about it more than money. He speaks about it on a much grander scale. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Listen, King David, if anybody could have had an attitude like, I'm the one that made this happen, it it would have been him. He rallied his people, the Israelites, to bring their resources so that the temple could be built. He rallied them. You can read in 1 Chronicles 29 about that. But he even brought his own personal resources. So if anybody could have had that attitude, he could have said, I'm the one that motivated everybody to bring things. And I brought my own. I'm going to make this temple when it's built. It's because of me. Listen to his dedication speech. Yours, O Lord, is the greatest, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give it to you only what you gave us. We are here for only a moment, visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. O Lord, our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. King David is saying, you own everything. We're coming, we're being generous, but we're being generous simply because you were generous with us. Everything that we have is because God has entrusted it to us. What's in your garage, what's in your house, what's in your junk drawer, what's on your walls, all of that is his. This idea of us thinking we are the owners when we really aren't, it's not a new idea. You ever buy a child a gift, a toy? Yes, give the toy to the child. What happens when you take it away? What do you hear? Mine. (laughs) But as they grow, we have kids, they're out, they're not in the house any longer. But when they were here and growing up, we had a room for each one. Now, 
you couldn't tell whether they had carpet in their rooms because they had their clothes all over the room. Why we bought dressers for them, I have no clue. They are great kids, by the way. Um, but I, we would let them have that for about a week. And once a week, they'd have to clean up their room or unless somebody was coming sooner. And every so often, you would hear them when I say, it's time to clean up your room, you'd hear, why? This is my room. Oh, really? <laughs> I think your mother and I are letting you live in that room. I think we are the ones who bought this. But is that true? Because once a month, Chase Mortgage reminds me, hey, I hope you like my house. Here's what it's going to cost to live in it for a little bit longer. This idea that we own everything is a myth. God is the owner of everything. And this is a huge perspective change that we have to grasp. It seems so simple, but we really have to move it from here to here. Heard a story of an old man that was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and he was all about wanting to prove that you can take things with you. And so he's thinking, how could I do this? How could I do this? And he thought about it for a long time, and then he came up with a plan. He instructed his wife, now go to the bank and get enough cash to fill these two pillowcases. And she did that. She comes back, and he directs her to go up in the attic and put the pillowcases directly above his bed. Because his plan was that when he passed away, on his way to heaven, he would grab the pillowcases and take it with him. Well, he passed away, and his wife was up taking care of things in the attic, and she saw the pillowcases. And she said, that fool, I knew he should have instructed me to leave him in the basement. <laughs> what do you call something that is given to you that can be taken away at any time? Do you call it mine? No, it is temporary. It is ours to just use temporarily. And if we are, start to understand that, if you and I start to understand that those things that we have are really, they really belong to God, I think we'll realize the next truth, that I am a manager of God's resources. I mean, this is not rocket science. Hey, if, if, if I've been given something by God, if he's distributed stuff my way, then that makes me a manager of what he's given me. Did you notice in the story that the master gave them different amounts, but he had the same expectation, right? Why? Why could he do that? He's the owner. He can distribute however he wants to distribute. But I think as we head into 2016, we have to remind ourselves, we are not the owners. If we look around and we start to compare what we have versus others, it's going to be a miserable 2016. Because some of you that have means will look around and feel guilty that you have it. Others will look around and say, why do you have more than me? You don't deserve that much. And that kind of thinking is thinking like an owner. And when we think like an owner, we live like a consumer 
which makes us never happy. We talked about it the past two weeks. It's an endless cycle of worry and, and, and never being content. Listen, God knows what I and you can or can't handle. And you can trust the owner of the resources. Matter of fact, the, the fact that he gives us different amounts ought to just allow us to feel free to not have to look around and compare, just to be able to use it in a way that he would have us use. Remember, we are the managers. And what managers do is they take what they've been given and they have a plan for how they are going to spend it, how they are going to save it, how they are going to use it. There is a sense of responsibility that we get, and you probably felt it in that little silly exercise at the beginning. There's a sense of responsibility when it's not our own. We feel this responsibility that we have to manage this well because it is not our stuff. My brother and sister-in-law have a lake house and uh, they are generous with it and our family gets to use this little place in the summer and throughout the year. It's wonderful. But when I arrive, I go to his kitchen table and there's this little thing that's the arrival list and the departure list, right? And, uh, and for those of you that know my brother, it is one page. He's very detailed. I was surprised he got it all on one page. But when I go there, what do I do? I follow these. I go and I flip the ice maker on. I go and adjust the temperature based on the season. Why do I do these things? Because this is important to the owner. I am not the owner. And I know this is something that is important to them, so I want to use their place well. Plus, I want to be invited back. I love the lake in the summer. But we are managers of what he's given, both material, financial, relationships, jobs. And his goal is not simply to make us comfortable. He has a kingdom to build. There are lost people that need to be saved. There are orphans and widows that need to be taken care of. And he has a plan for that. And you and I are on his management team. We are been, we've been temporarily given gifts to accomplish his plan. Jesus' point that he's driving home here should really make us ask the question, what am I doing with what I've been given? Because that leads to the next truth, and that is I must give account for my management. In the story, the owner comes back and he assesses the situation he wants to see if they've done what he wanted. Were they faithful with what he gave them? Did they manage it in a way that would reflect his desires as the owner? And from reading the story, obviously you see that Jesus takes this very seriously. He gave different amounts, but had the same expectation on every manager there, every servant. I don't know anything about the servants in the story don't know about their faith, their relationship with Christ. But what is very clear is that this is important. Whatever I've been given, how little or how much, a big amount, I am going to be held accountable. 
with what I've been given. Yet do I know what I'm doing with it? I know I have a good idea of what's coming in. A lot of us, I think, have a good idea of what's coming in. But do we know where it is going to whom and why? As reminded of this, we moved, I've told you this before, moved a year ago. I was up in the attic in the old place getting ready to move boxes. And I had boxes labeled 1990, 1991, all the way up through late 2000. And in those boxes were check registers, bank statements with line item by line item of what was spent that year, tax uh, refunds, all the tax papers. What kind of blew me away was that there was no mystery of where my money and all my time went that year. It's right there in that box. But did I know ahead of time that this is coming in and I have a plan for where it is to go? And is that going to make the master happy? Does it match his desires and what he values? Even if you don't believe that all that you have is God's, do you believe that you should know what's coming in and you should know where it's going even before it gets out there? I think that's important as managers. And as we head into 2016, things can be different, but I think we have to ask ourselves some very, very tough questions. Like, God, what do I think that is mine that's really yours? Where am I acting like the owner when I'm really the manager? Because when I think like the owner, I live like a consumer, and that leads to discontentment. Where am I discontent, God? It's a powerful video. Is it real simple? You're probably thinking, why don't you show that at the beginning? We could have been home 30 minutes earlier. You didn't even have to speak, Rob. But what if we were to realize that what we have really is God's and we get that perspective? You may have noticed in your sermon notes that there was a little sticky in there. All this is to do is not to make you feel guilty. It's for you, maybe some of you do need to go home and find a packet of these and go through that exercise and look at it and let it move from here to here that what you have is really God's. But maybe the mere fact of seeing a post-it is going to remind you that it's God's. So take this post-it, put it in your dashboard, on your dashboard, put it in your mirror, put it on your wall, put it in places where you'll see it. Again, it's not to make you feel guilty. It's for each of us to walk out of here and start now, this week, to view money differently, to view our stuff differently. And we want to help you in the, in the new year with your material stuff, help to view that differently. On January 20th, and this is in your program, there'll be the Financial Peace University class that's starting. If you've ever taken that, you know that that will transform your financial situation, but it will also transform a whole lot of other things because you're going to get debt-free and you're going to be able to know and plan for what you want to do and what God would have you do with your resources. I've taken it many years ago, stuck to the principles, and it is a game changer. For some of you, that's the step that you've got to take additionally is sign up for Financial Peace University 
January 20th, write FPU on your Connect card, and that will get you started for being registered for that class. 2016 can be different, but it's going to require that we realize that what we have is not ours, that we are temporary managers of what God has given us. And when we grasp that and we live that truth out, it frees us up to enjoy the moments of life. It also allows us to uh, just be that good and faithful servant that goes about using what we've been given in a way that will reflect what the owner would have us do with it. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Now, all that we have is yours, and some of us are still wrestling with that. You are a generous God. Just look at your son, Christ, who you gave up for us with a debt we could never pay for. Help us to manage well what you have given us, that we would use it in a way that would bring joy to you, and we selfishly would like to share in that joy, but above all, use it to bring life to others. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.